What's going on? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, March the 22nd, 2021. The first show officially of spring in 2021. I know spring was a couple days ago, but oh, so excited about that. Uh, this is episode 57, excuse me, 58 of the pod, 58. Check that, episode 58 of the pod. However you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Many, many ways to find the show. If you're an audio-only listener or you watch along over on YouTube, audio, you've got Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, many, many avenues for you to download and listen to this thing. Hey, if you do download and listen, please subscribe and leave us some sort of review if you're over on Apple Podcasts. It's always greatly appreciated. The more interaction we get, the more response we get from the listeners and the viewers, the better off we are. If you watch over on YouTube, all you need to do, search bar, Matt Bernier Show, you get this episode along with the 57 prior. And that's another one of those things where if you feel... So inclined, please hit that subscribe button. Make sure the bell icon is lit up. That way, you'll get notified anytime new content is uploaded by the In The Money media team over on that channel. Also, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. If you think the content, you know, this week's show, "Ah, I don't like what he said, thumbs down. Either way, thumbs up, thumbs down. All of it is welcome. And questions, comments, concerns, as always, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. This week's show, we will go and take a look back at this past Saturday's Louisiana Derby, a race that was won by Hot Rod Charlie. We'll also take a look at the Friday feature for this week. Back to a normal schedule. Uh, race number seven from Tampa Bay Downs. CJ Andrews in to help us go over that race. It was a very enjoyable conversation. Um, hopefully you can all kind of glean some pieces from that race and just overall some handicapping nuggets to use going forward in whatever race you're going to go over. Uh, and that'll wrap up this week. Now, I will say... The I mentioned in the Friday feature this week that if you win, and again, the way that works, leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. If you're correct, I'll contact you. We'll get a time set up to record. I mentioned it'll be for next week. These next few weeks are going to be a little bit difficult simply because of the amount of content that there is from a racing standpoint. We'll have three big derby preps coming up this coming weekend, three the following weekend. So there's a good chance that if you are the winner of the Friday feature this week, despite the fact that I said it'll be for next week's show, there's a good chance we're going to have to bump you a couple weeks just because I I think these next two episodes are going to be just monsters. And then add it in with the other work that I got to take care of on Monday. um, I think it's just going to be a lot lot to ask. So just please get involved. And you know what? I'll let you know one way or the other if it's going to be for next week or the following week or the week after that. But get involved in that Friday feature. I think it's one of the, the things that folks seem to have enjoyed the most. And I do recognize many people like the multi-race sequences and things like that. Um, so maybe that's something that, uh, again, I, I I try to only bring that out when it's going to be some sort of a, a bigger race or a bigger event. Um, but the, the response has been so solid that that may end up being the actual Friday feature going forward. But we'll talk about that more in time. A couple other little housekeeping notes. The Horse Player Happy Hour is starting. The, the plans are being finalized. Really looking forward to kicking that back off. This year, it's going to have some similarities, but there are going to be pretty dramatic differences. And if you played last year, you're going to want to make sure you're playing again. It's going to become weekly sort of must play sort of contests. And if you're new to contests, I think it's going to be a perfect opportunity 
for you to get involved, dip your toe in, just kind of get the lay of the land because we have, we have an extensive schedule and, and some, I think some exciting pieces that go along with that more details to come really looking forward to the horse player happy hour returning. Uh, and also for Derby preps and Derby previews, I shouldn't just say Derby preps and previews, the remaining big 100 point prep races preview review races leading into and including the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness and the Belmont, as well as Breeders' Cup coverage. Uh, you can find some written pieces from myself over on NBCSports.com slash edge. Uh, excited to be partnering with them and producing some content, looking ahead at some of the races and, and what we can possibly expect. Uh, and also sort of the aftermath. What happened in the race, and now what do we do with that information going forward? So some written pieces, if you're curious. I know some people had asked about that. NBCSports.com slash edge in the horse racing section. So there's that. Now, before we get into the deep dive of the Louisiana Derby, I mean, we also do need to acknowledge the fact that the presumptive favorite for this year's Kentucky Derby, Life is Good, has been sidelined. He is off the Derby Trail and the Triple Crown Trail, for that matter. Bob Baffert seems pretty confident that he'll be back for the Breeders' Cup. Um, it sounds like it was an ankle chip. Uh, I believe he either had surgery or will undergo surgery. It's a shame, but the, the only reason I'm bringing him up other than the fact that, I mean, it alters the Derby picture and landscape pretty dramatically. I just, I'm not saying that his drifting out in the lane is what this was all about. But these are the sort of things that you always want to be looking for if you are someone who watches tape. You look for oddities because they often give you a little bit of a glimpse into what could be down the road. It's just, and I'm not saying that that day was the day that something went, went awry, but this is, this is why you nitpick and look for those little, little pieces they say, oh, wait a minute, that's not usual. That's unusual. And why is that? And what's the cause of that? And those sort of things. Because more often than not, there's something there. More often than not, I promise you, doing yourself that service and flexing that muscle or learning to work that muscle of watching tape and looking for the smallest little what seems like a minute detail may end up being a massive piece down the road. And not just from a defection standpoint, where unfortunately life is good, won't be running in the Triple Crown, but from a day-to-day handicapping standpoint. I'll never forget, and I believe I, I've brought it up in the past. I could not have been more against Dortmund in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile the year that he ran in it. And it all had to do with a workout, the video of the workout, leading into the Breeders' Cup. Because he did something with his leads that he had never done before. He got a little goofy, flipped to his left lead, back to his right and back to his left, or something along those lines. It's been a number of years now. And I said, whoa, never done that before. And he was nowhere in the Breeders' Cup. So, I, and I know I'm just cherry-picking that one specific example that ended up playing out, but... I do genuinely believe long-term, those are the sort of things that you need to do to try to find value and try to find opportunities either for or against certain horses. So I hope nothing but the best for life is good because I, I hope I made it abundantly clear coming out of the San Felipe. I love seeing greatness. 
and I love seeing uncommon performances. The race he ran in that San Felipe is not something we see this time of year from a three-year-old. And, you know, it, 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 I'm very hopeful, fingers crossed, we do get to see him again as a three-year-old and maybe beyond that, but I'm certainly not holding my breath. But if we get to see him again, I think he has that sort of rare talent that could, you know, we, we may be looking at it saying, you know, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see more of him, but he may be a genuinely special talent. So knock on wood, everything goes well with the procedure and we get to see him back on the racetrack sooner than later. In the meantime, I thought, well, we're going to have one of two things. Either the continued formfulness of the Derby Trail in Louisiana, or maybe we get something that kind of throws a bit of a monkey wrench into it. Well, it was a relatively formful race. The second choice ended up winning, but the non-effort from the favorite does at least throw a little bit of intrigue. Couple that with the defection of life is good. All of a sudden, in a matter of seven days, heck, five days, four days even, the Kentucky Derby picture for 2021 became much, much more interesting. Let's talk about it. The 2021 Louisiana Derby. We'll go back, take a look at that, and then we'll transition into this week's Friday feature. Grade 2 Louisiana Derby. I wish I could show the replay, but for obvious reasons that many of you can probably put together, um, it's not on YouTube. So we'll just kind of have to talk through this thing. Hot Rod Charlie prevails coming in for Doug O'Neill. You know, a horse who has done a number of good things in the past. And I think maybe in a way, I don't want to say is disrespected or, or underappreciated. I mean, he's been three to one or less and every one of his lifetime starts outside of the Breeders' Cup. But at the same time, I don't know that I've ever thought of him. And maybe I'm, uh, you know, just speaking about myself, being guilty of this. I don't know that I've ever looked at him and thought, yeah, that, that horse is a Kentucky Derby winner. Um, maybe I need to start kind of, reassessing that take because he, he not only has he run fast but he's done it at the farthest distance any of these horses has run thus far at a mile and three sixteenths and no no one will run a mile and a quarter before the first Saturday in May but the point is he is the one who has done the most at the longest distance thus far and I think he deserves a little bit of extra credit for that it continues to flatter the form of the Southern California horses there's no doubt about that by the way Hot Rod Charlie, a 99 buyer speed figure, winning this race. Did so in front-running fashion. Continues to flatter the form of the Southern California horses. And I think the thing that's most surprising to me about the way that he did win was the fact that he went right to the front. I mean, this is a horse who, yes, he has had a little bit of tactical speed in the past, but by no means would anyone mistaken him to be a burner. So for him to go right to the front beneath Rosario, I thought was really interesting and, and a, a smart ride. I know I saw some folks try to bring up the idea that, oh, maybe it was a speed-friendly track. Based on the charts, when I went through them, I didn't see that uh, being the case, but that's just my opinion. I, I thought if you were good enough, you had an opportunity to make up ground and, and have a say in, in matters. I just think on this day, the top two horses happen to be the two best in, in Hot Rod Charlie and Midnight Bourbon. Now, the interesting thing is, um, given the configuration of the fairgrounds, the wire is very, very late in the stretch. So I don't want to totally hold Hot Rod Charlie Pop into his left lead at the very end of the race against him. I do wonder what happens when the Southern California horses come into the fold. Uh, 
does Hot Rod Charlie have another forward move? Because in his run two starts back in the Bob Lewis, it did look like it was a solid starting off point for a three-year-old campaign where he made the move into the teeth of the pace, got a little bit tired at the end, ended up in that three-horse photo. If you'll recall, I mentioned when we went over that race that we could either look back at that race and say it was a disaster or it was the keyest of the key races. Well, Medina Spirit has since gone on to run second behind Life is Good, who is now off the trail. Looks pretty good. Hot Rod Charlie has now gone on to win the Louisiana Derby. Roman Centurion, yes, he finished fourth in the San Felipe, but I'll be very curious to see what he does in his next start, whether it's the San Anita Derby or the Wood Memorial or somewhere else. All this is to say that that, that Bob Lewis is looking pretty darn good right about now. Oh, by the way, Spielberg, he came back and finished second in the Southwest, and he'll be among the contenders in this weekend's Florida Derby at Gulfstream. So that there's a real chance that that race early on in the Southern California campaign was was actually quite good, despite the fact that it was a three-horse photo, uh, three-horse blanket. Midnight Bourbon, I thought, had every opportunity at the top of the lane. And I'm, I go back and forth on how I feel about the, the races from Midnight Bourbon recently anyway, here in 2021, because I, I do think the horse has ability. I think there's talent here. He's paired up career buyer tops of 99 now, which immediately makes my ears perk up a little bit. I don't know that the distance is ideal for him, but at the same time, I don't think it's a great hindrance compared to some of the other horses, given his tactical ability. He's going to be into the run a lot earlier than a horse like Obesos or any of these deep closers is going to be, which automatically gives him a leg up. He's run well at Churchill Downs in the past, goes out for Steve Asmussen. We don't need to, you know, make the case that Steve Asmussen can win a giant race. We know that. But in each of the past two starts, he he has lost ground at the very end. And keep in mind, the Risen Star was at a mile and an eight. This race is at a mile and three sixteenths. And I just, as much as I want to really fall in love with him, I do have some questions about, is he is he quite there? But if you're telling me he's going to be 15 or 20 to one the first Saturday in May, I could, I could certainly draw up a scenario in which he takes that step forward. Let's say he moves up five, six, seven points on the buyer scale, gets into the low 100 range, uh, you know, with his tactical ability and his track record at Churchill Downs, uh, he he becomes he becomes a, an intriguing case at a, at a bit of a price. Uh, Obesos, I thought this was a sneaky good race because rounding the far turn, he's loaded in behind horses. Uh, eventually, he finds a seam and he finished with with a flurry. Incrementally, when you take a look at the race according to uh, Daily Racing Forms Formulator product. He finished faster than anyone in the race. Came home in 43.28. Uh, the second fastest finish in the race was Proxies at 43.77. So you're talking a good two lengths faster than anybody else in the field for that final run. And, you know, I think there's reason to believe that he's the kind of horse, should he get into the starting gate, which is an unknown because he's got 25 points to his name and he's probably going to be squarely on the bubble. Should he get in? He's the kind of horse I would be looking at saying, you know what, he can run third or fourth. I don't know if he's good enough to win unless the pace just goes off the chart, supersonic, and and all hell breaks loose. But he's the kind of horse that I could see picking up some pieces at 40 to 1 
and making a trifecta or a superfecta for someone. He just has that that running style. That's that's typically what I'm looking for for those underneath slots in a race like the Derby. The pedigree is there to suggest that added ground is only going to be his friend. He's by Orb. Obviously, we know Orb won the Kentucky Derby in 2013. So Obesos, to me, becomes an interesting candidate should he get into the race to round out your sort of underneath pieces. Proxy might be the most fascinating horse in this entire race, in my opinion, going forward. The blinkers went on for the first time here for Mike Stidham. They didn't do what I had hoped they were going to do. I'm sure what the connections had hoped they were going to do. Before we start saying that the start really hindered his chances at winning, which I'm not going to dispute the fact that he did get bounced around. But when you go and watch the horse run, he he has been a model of consistency when it comes to being inconsistent. Where he just runs in spots. He is an incomplete project, and that's the best thing I can say right now. It just it feels like there is a great deal of natural talent, but for whatever reason, his mind just isn't there yet. And I, I tweeted about it on Sunday night. I was sitting here down in my, my office, and you know I just lost the five-team parlay because of Oral Roberts going on this you know unbelievable run that they've gone through. I said, let me let me pull up the the replay, and I watched the replay probably six seven times, and I, I can't help but get vibes of Vino Rosso. Now Vino Rosso, many of you will know, obviously won the Breeders' Cup Classic a couple of years ago, but prior to that, as a three year old for Todd Pletcher, he he had sort of the the look of a Derby contender, but you never knew when you were going to get a full effort from him. Sometimes it would show up like in a race uh, similar to the, the Wood Memorial, a race in which he won leading into the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you, you would also get complete duds like we got in the Tampa Bay Derby where he just seemingly had no interest. And then all of a sudden turned the light switch on and he, he finished with a, with a big rush. I, I get many of the same feelings about proxy at this stage in the game where the talent is there and for him to be running the figures that he's running right now without really knowing what he's doing i look at that as a positive now maybe it's not a positive for a few weeks time in louisville maybe that's a little bit ambitious and maybe he's mentally not ready for that but if you get him some more experience i don't see any reason why this isn't a horse who could be a major player not just in this division but on the whole, if he gets his head on right. And, you know, I'll use I'll use last year's Derby winner, Authentic, as an example. Authentic is a classic example of a horse who, with time, ironed out the immaturity pieces, the greenness. You go back to his early three-year-old year, some of the races he was running in Southern California. He's looking around. He almost ducks over the inside rail, this, that, and the other. Then he goes on to the Haskell, and he's he's five clear, and then all of a sudden it becomes a race again because he kind of loses his focus. Well, with, with Proxy, I don't know that he does sort of the... I don't know that he is quite as obvious with his greenness because he's not one to be goofy with lead changes and looking around this, that, and the other thing. He's more of the mold of a horse who doesn't, understand his cues just yet if you go back and find a replay and watch the replay john velasquez is getting into this horse 
I would, I'm going to venture a guess to say with roughly three quarters of a mile to go, giving him encouragement and reminders to to stay with the pack because he's losing ground down the backside, which is just, it doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense when you just think of it from a racing standpoint. The straightaway should be the time, especially down the backside, when, yes, they were going an honest clip, but, I mean, I don't think it was off the charts fast. That doesn't seem like a time when a horse like Proxy would be losing ground or should be losing ground, unless he's not focused. And he's just kind of, okay, I'm going to take a breather here. And then rounding the far turn, Johnny V's all over him, trying to get something out of him. And he's just kind of spinning his wheels. But then, as they get ready to turn for home, he starts to find his stride. They get him out into the clear again. He actually finishes quite well. The point is, he's yet to put together a complete race. But when he does, given his ability to be reasonably close to the front end throughout, given his pedigree, and the speed figures he's earning now as an incomplete project, I think there's a, a, a massive amount of potential in this horse. He's just not there yet. And it's unfortunate for the connections because everybody wants to run in a race like the Derby, and maybe they still will. Personally, I wouldn't. If you're trying to draw up some sort of a game plan, or if, if I if I was in charge of proxy, if I was the only one to make decisions, I would say, let's run in a race like the Lexington at Keeneland. Mile on the 16th, in theory, against inferior company. Let's just get some more experience. We'll check out our new track, new surroundings. From there, if he runs well and wins... We can look at the Preakness. Maybe we catch some of these horses on a quick turnaround from the Derby. And you have an opportunity there. If that sort of plan doesn't work, then you put them away for a couple months and you bring them back at Saratoga in a race like the Jim Dandy. I just think there's, you know, we all want to see the, the best horses in a race like the Derby. But at the same time, I think for the long-term prospects of a horse like Proxy, I think he would be best suited with a little bit more experience. And and maybe one step back will lead to two steps forward. That's what I would do. I have no idea if that's what the connections plan on doing. But I, I'm not ready to write him off yet. I still think there's something there. And and uh, again, I use that Vino Rosso comparison. Vino Rosso was, was not a completed project as a three-year-old. It took him time. And as a four-year-old, you saw what he went and did. Maybe Proxy could do something similar. And the last horse we'll talk about is Mandaloon. Now, I... Maybe I'm trying to make something out of nothing. But it seems for a horse who had not not missed a beat, continuing to progress, sounds like he's training up a storm... For him to run as poorly as he did, you you have to think something was amiss. Now, what what could that be? I, I don't know, but you don't you don't see horses regress so badly without something being a little bit weird. And the only thing that I could come up with watching the replay, yeah, I get it. He was wide. I don't really care much about that. I don't think that made a difference. You go back and watch the start of the race. It it looks to me like the ground breaks from beneath him a little bit in the starting gate. He bobbles slightly. 
and he quickly gathers gathers himself up. Is is that enough? You know, this is nothing more than me spitballing. Did he did he pull a little bit of a muscle? Did he tweak something? You know, did he was he just not feeling great after that? I don't know. But I I just for a horse to look as good as he did in the Risen Star and look as bad as he did here on Saturday. I just, especially for an outfit like this, Cox, Giroux, Judmont. I, I, there's nothing at at face value that would give any inclination that this was what you you would expect to come. Even if he didn't win, you would have expected a second or third, not a no hope sixth. And and that's just me kind of spitballing. I I genuinely have no idea if there was something else that happened to him or or if he just for whatever reason didn't run i i i want to circle back to that sort of start where i wonder i don't believe it was to the degree of war of wills but if you remember a number of years ago when war of will ran in the louisiana derby he had the ground sort of break from beneath him at the start and he, he missed or was it the risen star one of the two whatever the race was and it took him a little bit of time, and he came back in the Kentucky Derby, and we all know the, the situation with maximum security. But my my sort of hypothesis was he was going to need a race, which happened to be the Derby, and he would actually take his step forward in the Preakness. And granted, he got a beautiful trip and ride from Tyler Gaffalione, but that's exactly what happened. I, I, I'm going to be curious to see what we get from Mandaloon. And if, if the connections continue on with him and point toward the Derby, I think that should be viewed as a a very positive move because Brad Cox is not afraid to stop on a horse if they throw in a bit of a dud. Yes, everybody's got derby fever. I get it, but it's Judmont. I mean, yeah, a derby would be nice, but they're they're in the stallion-making business. I would be very curious. If if they show up in the derby with this horse, I'm going to take it as a very positive sign. And if you want to spin it one of two ways, the negative side of things, if he does go to the Kentucky Derby, you got to come up with an excuse as to why he ran so poorly. I just laid out one possible scenario. On the positive side of things, if you believed in him on Saturday and they go to the Derby with him and he trains well leading into it, the positive side, you're going to get a considerably better price the first Saturday in May on Mandaloon than you would have had he gone into the Louisiana Derby and won the way that he did in the Risen Star. Looking for a silver lining, if there is any. All around, from a Derby prep standpoint and a prep rating, I'm giving this an 8. And I know I saw a lot of reaction right after the race. Oh, well, you know, Derby winner's not coming from there. And that that could very well be true. And I also, to me, it's twofold. Hot Rod Charlie is probably much better than I've given him credit for. Not that I thought he was a bum, but he's probably better than I gave him credit for. And I don't think you can sit there and say definitively that the New Orleans horses were exposed. I thought Midnight Bourbon ran fine. Proxy, given the start and his greenness, yeah, disappointing. But I don't think you can use this as sort of a an example of, oh, see, they're not that good. I think he just continued on with his sort of path at this point. And Mandaloon, 
I don't personally believe it was because he ran into better horses. I, I don't. I think something else was something else was up. That's my feeling about the race. Let me know what you think beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Hot Rod Charlie. He's going to head into Louisville in the right way. Third start of the form cycle. Versatile running style. Distance doesn't seem like it's going to be an issue for him. And he's got two-time Kentucky Derby winning trainer Doug O'Neill in his corner. Hot Rod Charlie, 99 buyer speed figure winning the Louisiana Derby. They're going to train him up to the first Saturday in May. And, and look, if he gets kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit, when I say lost in the shuffle, he's not going to be 20 to 1. But maybe he ends up at 10 to 1 or 11 to 1. And perhaps he's one of the fastest horses in the race going into it. Could do a heck of a lot worse than take a horse like Hot Rod Charlie, who seems to be on the improve in the Kentucky Derby. Now let's pivot to the Friday feature this week. Welcome in CJ Andrews. We're going to talk a little bit about the seventh from Tampa Bay Downs, a riveting non-winners of two lifetime race for $16,000 claimers going a mile and 16th on the grass. Let's talk about that race now. Friday feature time. We're going to get back to sort of the more traditional Friday feature this week. No more Saturday feature, at least for the time being. And unfortunately, we we don't have a card drawn for the Florida Derby just yet or any of these other big races that are coming up this upcoming weekend. So we're going to go to Tampa Bay Downs for Friday afternoon's Friday feature. Helping out, we have CJ Andrews coming in. CJ was the winner of last week's Friday feature, uh, which happened to be the Saturday feature. He correctly identified Travel Column as the winner of the Fairgrounds Oaks. Uh, first things first, CJ, thank you for coming aboard. Congratulations. How are you? Uh, thank you. I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've really been looking forward to uh, to getting on the show. I've been, been trying for a long time. Let's Before we go forward, let's go back and, and talk about that Fairgrounds Oaks. You liked Travel Column. I know some other folks did as well. Um, I, admittedly, I thought she was a contender. I didn't think she would win the way that she did. I thought all around she was pretty impressive. What did you like about her going into it, and what do you think about her coming out? Well, uh, lots of things, and I haven't been in the game very long, so I might sound like I'm kind of talking over my head a little bit. But number one, a lot of people like Clarier, but I, uh, what I found is when you have horses that like to close and I'm, I, I didn't watch the race close enough is there's always a chance they're going to run into trouble. Right. And I watch, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to you guys a lot. I listen to a lot of guys on TV and I personally didn't think the, 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 the pace in the last race was super fast, but everybody kept saying, Oh, the pace is fast. Pace is fast. Pace is fast. So, well, they know more than I do. So the pace must've been pretty fast. Um, and then you know, I thought that she would, I thought she'd be out in the clear. I, I thought she would, I thought she would do exactly really what she should. Like, like you said, I didn't think she would blow the field away, but if I'm going to take a horse, that's going to be in front or I'm going to take a horse that's coming from the back. If Clarier is more talented, sure. But again, if you're going to run into trouble, you got a long way to go. Travel con just has to put away. I think just one horse, I think might've been the three was on the lead. Um, and that's all she, that's all she had to do was put away one horse and then just hold on and run. So I figured with, with all that together, that was, that was going to be the horse I picked. And I think it is an important piece that you bring up. If, if you have comparably uh, horses of comparable ability and talent level, and one is going to start in front of the other, as far as the, the proper run is concerned, whether it's rounding the far turn or wherever else, tactically, that that's just such a massive advantage that that horse with that positional speed has. I talk about it with turf racing, specifically turf miles all the time, where go back through the past number of years, the, the best turf milers that we've seen here in the United States, and, and you can even say worldwide, are the ones that have 
that tactical ability where yeah. they're going to get the head start on the deep closer. And while the deep closer may finish looking like a freight train, they need to make up so much ground. But those horses who have that tactical ability, they still have a little bit left in the tank down the stretch. And there's just no way that those deep closers are going to make up that sort of ground, even more so on dirt, to your point. Right, right. And that was, you know, if, if you go back and watch, I think it's the race, Rachel Alexander is the name of the race, right? Clary mm-hmm. Airman just came right up the rail. Just She got a absolutely perfect trip. Absolutely. Per- I thought the ride was wonderful. I thought the trip was wonderful. And I just, to, to, to bet a horse back on that again, thinking that the same thing is going to happen. I mean, it's just, that doesn't happen. I mean, I, and I, I, again, I haven't been in the game very long, but from what I see, if you bet a horse on a perfect trip, you're playing with fire. It, it's really as simple as you're, you're taking into consideration the fact that everything worked out ideally for a certain horse in the most recent run. And from a probability standpoint, unless the horse is an American Pharaoh type where they can really just kind of work out their own trip, where they are naturally fast enough to go to the front if it's given to them, but they can also sit just off of it. I mean, but that that's a rare breed. We're talking about just a, a handful of horses that are capable of doing that at any given level. The likelihood of a perfect trip playing out time after time after time, especially at this time of the year with these kind of horses, three-year-olds, they continue to improve, you know, and basically at the drop of a hat, they can all of a sudden show up with a big, big race. Uh, I think it's right. a very, very prudent point that you bring up. I think it's something that everybody should factor in as far as their handicapping goes. You and I chatted a little bit before we started recording about the Louisiana Derby and Hot Rod Charlie. You liked him going into it. Um, yep. I guess coming out of it, what are your overall feelings? And, and now, obviously, with life is good being sidelined, yeah. the, the Derby itself, the picture looks a little bit more on the scrambled side. Yeah, and that's – oh, man. Uh, the, so – a lot of people didn't like his race two back and, and, and I don't know the name, um, but it was him, Medina spirit and Roman Centurion when they all hit the line together. It was in the Bob Lewis. I, yes. Okay. Now I really like Medina spirit and I always have, um, I wanted Roman Centurion to be better, but I, I don't think he's quite there. Um, but he, to me, looked like a horse that needed a race. That's when I saw them hit the wire together. That's what, that, that's what I took from, hot rod charlie and like you and i kind of chatted a little bit about i was really hoping that the louisiana horses would run like would win the race because we'd have something else to talk about but now we just have another california horse to talk about um you know i in all honesty now that life is good i i really don't know you know i think you have what six or seven horses if you want to include mandaloon that can that, that probably have close to an equal shot now, depending on what you want to say about a central quality. Um, that would be really kind of where I am on it now. I wonder if we're going to get a horse in these next, obviously we've got three preps coming up this weekend and we still have the big, big week in two weeks where you've got those three races in New York, Kentucky and out in California. I wonder if, if one horse takes a significant step forward where right now it feels like everyone's kind of jumbled in that, mid to yeah. high 90 buyer range and and i'm just using the buyers because i feel like that's the the most common sort of speed figure used whatever figure used for the most part these horses are all relatively close again uh, life is good was the outlier of of the, the bunch and yeah. unfortunately he won't be racing for some time now so I, i'm going to be curious to see if anyone makes a move forward and i mentioned it prior to this segment on the show you know there's a scenario where i'm, I'm surprised that more of the southern california contingent 
isn't still open to the idea of going out of town. And I say that because now it sounds like I'm reading things in the daily racing form that, you know, the Santa Anita Derby may have a field of 10 or 11 now with the defection. Well, I, there's a part of me, though, that, that looks at it and says, if you just saw what Hot Rod Charlie did shipping into Louisiana, why wouldn't you, especially if you're a horse who's, I don't want to say kind of a fringe player, but not a yeah. Medina spirit who deserves to be the favorite now. Yeah. If you're if you're one of these other horses who uh, the connections can look at it and say, well, we can stay at home and possibly run, you know, in familiar surroundings and things like that. But who knows? Maybe we're not quite as good as the top horse. Why wouldn't you ship out of town where you've seen that it looks like Southern California is where the best horses are? I still think a fair amount of these number or these horses should look at Keeneland, look at Aqueduct, look at uh, these other racetracks, whether the Arkansas Derby even in a few weeks, because I, I just. I don't know what you gain by running against all of the best of the best. Why not go and get your points elsewhere? And then, you know what, we'll see where the dust settles the first Saturday in May. But I'm, I'm just surprised that it sounds like there are more people that are considering staying home as opposed to shipping out. Yeah. And that would be, that would be my thing too, is, well, yeah, sure. You want to race against Medina spirit and whoever else is going to run the race, but you still have to get your points. You still have to make the gate, right? You know, uh, you know, everybody wants to, uh, and I hear a lot of people criticize, like, I think it must, is it the Jeff Ruby stakes coming up? They say that one's weaker or whatever. And it's just like, it doesn't matter. It is it, it, totally irrelevant how weak that qualifier is. If you don't make the gate, oh, sure. You ran against life is good. Maybe you spirit, hot rod, Charlie, whatever, but you didn't make the gate. I mean, great. I'll, you know, I'll see you at the Preakness or I'll see you at the Belmont then. I mean, you're, it's, it's the one chance you have to get in the Derby. I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter who you do it against points or points. And to your point, you, you got to have the ticket to get in. If you don't have the yeah, ticket, it doesn't exactly. make a difference. If you're, if yeah. you may be the best horse, if you, if you don't have the right. points, it doesn't matter. So to your point, and even a race like the Jeff Ruby stakes, I don't love that a synthetic race awards as many points as it does, but at the same time, sure. it is what it is. And yeah. if you have a horse, I immediately think of a horse like Ron Bauer. And again, I don't yeah. know what they're going to do with him. If he's going to go there, they, I, I read that he's a possible entrant for the Santa Anita Derby. You know, he can handle synthetic, right? He won that race up at golden gate fields. Why not send him to the Jeff Ruby, get your points. And you know what? I think he's a pretty good horse all around. I liked him in the breeders cup juvenile last year at Kingland. Yeah. And okay. He didn't run great, but he came with a little bit of late interest. I think he finished fifth or sixth. Why not get your points and then find out right. the first Saturday in May. I'd rather not yeah. find out, the first <laughs> yeah. Saturday in April yeah. that he can't do it yeah. and we can't get in. So again, right. that's, that's, you know, different strokes for different folks. We'll find out exactly. what some of these connections want to do. Uh, before we get into the race, I realized we glossed over the background sort of uh, situation with you. Where are you from? Uh, background, how'd you get involved in racing? Things like that. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I, I currently live in, in Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, I am originally from a small town in, uh, Northern Minnesota. Evleth, if anybody watches this podcast knows where Evleth, Minnesota is, you get a big old thumbs up from me. Um, I have actually, uh, so I, I, I work at a gym. I'm a, I work at Verge Fitness in Bismarck, North Dakota, and we actually got shut down um, last March. And I had been to the track um, one time prior, and I, I want to tell that story really quick. Um, I've been to the track one time prior. My aunt lives in, um, in uh, Little Rock, so Hot Springs is only like an hour away. But anyways, I figure, well, I got, you know, at that time, we didn't know how long we were going to be closed for. So I figured I got some time. I might as well pick up a hobby. And so horse racing was about the only thing that you could do. Um, and that was, so I just kind of started 
looking at it and you know, $2 show bets for my thing for a long time. And then I kind of started to look at the, uh, look at different numbers and listen to different podcasts and learn 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 and learn. And now I, you know, like to think I have a fair idea of what I'm doing here, but, um, but anyways, I, I've been in the track one time, Oakland. Okay. Been in the track one time. And, uh, this was, must've been, it was the year lady Apple won. It must've been the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I remember, I remember vividly my wife looking through the, looking through the form. And I said, you know, who do you like? I, and again, I didn't know we were picking names, picking numbers. And she goes, this is at the very early in the day. She goes, I really like lady Apple. She said, All right. I got, I can't tell you you're wrong. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had one, I think, uh, we had cashed some tickets. I, again, I don't know. We'd won a hundred bucks on the day or something like that. And so the, at, you know, and again, at this time, I don't know. I'm just going to maiden five and a, I think it's a grade three or a grade two. And lady Apple comes up and it's the last race we're going to watch. I said, well, I'll put 20 bucks on it or I don't, 15 or 20. I can't even remember. And my aunt says, I'll throw five in there. My mom says, I'll throw five in there, whatever. So I think we had must've been 30 or 35 bucks on lady Apple and, Again, I don't know. It's no different to me what's, what happens. And do you come around the corner? Have you been to Oakland? Have you, no, have you it's, been one there? Of the, it's one of the okay. few tracks that I have not been to. Okay. Well, there, there's a huge area right off where, right off the stretch that you can watch. And I remember standing about 15 feet right before the finish line. Just, I think she was the eight. Come on, eight. You know, come on, eight. And at the time, I really don't think many people at the track had her because I, think she was she knowing now i think she was a second asmussen right i think motion of motion is an ass top of my head i I remember her winning i can actually try to find pps as you're going yeah but i think but i think motion of motion i think a lot of people must have had motion of motion because i i want to say she was the heavy favorite in the race and i I don't really know but i remember i remember being louder than anybody else and just to, to know nothing about horse racing and to cash a ticket. i think she was like eight to one on the day or something like that um and, and to cash that ticket it was it was a lot of fun to to, to to pay for the trip down there and uh so that was that that's my one time at the track story she she defeated motion emotion in brill yep no, okay i don't even know who brill is brill was a horse for um i don't know if it was still under jerry hollendorfer's name or, okay. or if the horse had, had shifted over at that point this was uh okay april of 19 that sound right yeah yep yeah yep. must have been and and i because i remember lady apple because i was quite fond of her i liked her uh in the alabama at saratoga and she didn't okay. put her feet up and okay it was I don't think she's won a race. Well, no, she won the the Sam Houston Ladies Classic. That's the, I think the only race she's won since then. I think. And, and the Remington Park Oaks. She also won that okay. race prior okay. to that. Okay. Um, okay. I do remember that Alabama specifically though, because that was my the day of my bachelor party. And okay. We were watching from a hotel at the casino that we were at. And we just okay. got done playing golf, and I quick turned this on, and I said, look, she's going to be a price in here. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that the weather was a disaster in Saratoga. Okay. And, and we turned it on, and it we had th- four hotel rooms, I think. And all the guys are piled into this one room, yeah. and they're watching it. And now my friends, for the most part, aren't horse people. They they'll sure. bet they'll bet on anything, but they they aren't really yeah. <laughs> guiding the wool horse players. Yeah. So yeah. they all start getting out their phones 
whether it's with a bookie or something offshore or a couple of them yeah. had ADWs and they're going away, they're yeah. firing. They go, how much are we betting? And I go, D- look, I didn't realize it was a complete mess out there. And they go, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. We're going to start right. Yeah. They're betting away. And I think yeah. she, she was, she might've finished last. And they're like, sure. you know, nothing. You don't have any idea what you're talking about. And I said, well, thanks guys. I appreciate that. You know, that's, 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 that's one thing I've learned with horse racing is when people ask me for advice, I will not give it. Yeah. They're like, who's going to, you know, who's going to win? My response is always, who do you like? My in-laws like to watch horse racing with me a lot. And I will give them like a real, real general rundown of like, here's what this horse does. Here's what this horse does. Well, who do you like? I'm not telling you who I like. It, it's irrelevant who I like, because at the end of the day, you, this is your money. You're betting it. It's your opinion. I think, I don't know if it was you or somebody else on in the money network that said, as soon as you lock that bet in, that is your opinion. That is yeah. not my opinion anymore. That is your opinion. Well, and, and, and so that the, the way that I, I've tried to position any of these things, whether it's a, a written analysis a video, yeah. any mm-hmm. of this stuff, these are my observations. This is what I'm going yeah. to do. Yeah. I'm not saying you should do it. You can if yeah. you want. If you want to tail me, you want to fade me, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do yeah. and have at it. If, if you agree, yeah. disagree, and, but but yeah. also don't come crying to me when it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it is what it is. It's part, it's part of the game. And, and I will say it's part of what makes it fun because for as many of those moments as there are where it's like, oh, dummy, dummy, dummy. Yeah. Then yeah. when something, when you're right about something in a big way, yeah. everybody is just all, you know, it's all praise. And you have to, yeah. you just have to recognize that, that that's the nature of the beast. That That's how this yeah. thing works. And, yeah. and if it's, if that ends up being something that you're not super comfortable with, then, you know. It is what it is. It's, it's yeah. I get it for it's everyone. It's all part of it. Let's yeah. try. Let's try to get the folks on a winner here at Tampa on Friday. Yeah. And, oh, and I understand non-winners the two lifetime. It's not sexy. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound great. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I do think these can. I think they can become some of the better betting opportunities because you have yes. so many horses that frankly yeah. don't like to win races. Somebody's yep. got to win. So yeah. this is a race a mile and a sixteenth on the grass. It looks like the weather down in Oldsmore, Florida, on Friday looks. Okay. Looks beautiful. Should be okay. I can't imagine yeah. anything, uh, barring something bizarre happening. We should be on yeah. the turf, and hopefully it's firm. Race 7, yep. $16,000 claimers, non-two lifetime. Let's talk about your handicapping process before yeah. we get your pick. Uh, are you a yeah. pace player, a fig player, or just kind of put it all together? Uh, so there's there's one thing that I cannot handicap, and that is trip. I have absolutely, I am terrible at it. Okay. Um, so I totally eliminate you know, I have a, like, like real general, like if you got a seven horse field and the seven has speed, he's the outside speed, right? That's, that's about as far as I'm going to get with, sure. with, um, with trip. So, so, so really kind of my process is I, I, I have been learning a lot, um, every day, I, I guess, but I, I really try and go through and I try and establish who are the best speed in the last race, who is seems to be working out the best, who has the best class and the best distance. Cause those are things you can gloss over really fast and just write it down really quick. Okay. Here's a X here was this horse. Here was this horse. And here was this horse. That way you can really keep the way you look at horses, every race consistent. And, 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 and what I mean by that is like, I was finding that I would look at, let's just say the one and I would find the speed and the workouts. And then I'd go to the two and I'd find class and I'd find the jockey. Well, you've left huge pieces out of both horses. And, and so that, that just kind of gives me a way to gloss through it really quick and, and kind of figure out 
a, a real general thing. And then I dive into it more after that. Interesting. And, and I agree with you. I think there is something to looking for, I don't want to call it consistency <laughs> in how you analyze the runners, mm-hmm. but, but it's something to that. And I, I guess I would take it another step and say, you can add in or sprinkle in a little tidbit here or there. If you see yes. something yep. that an equipment change or, yeah. or whatever it may be, yep. a, a trainer yep. change. But I, I, I do tend to agree the idea of sort of, I don't want to say linear, but you look at yeah. all of them in this aspect mm-hmm. and then factor in the other little pieces yeah. that come along with it. Well, well, if I've learned one thing in horse racing, there's no hard and fast rules. No. And the second you start to think there are, you're going to lose a lot of money. 100%. A lot of bets, a lot of, yeah. And, you, and so and that, I, I think the other thing too, not, not to interrupt, the, the idea of you find what works for you. Yeah. Everybody's going to go about doing things differently. I know people that read the form from outside in as opposed to inside mm-hmm. out. I know people that go from front to back as far as who they think is going to be on the lead as opposed to who's coming from dead last. I mean, there, there's no there's no right or wrong way of going about it. It's yeah. whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and another thing I like to do, I like to watch a lot of replays. I think replays can tell you a lot. Um, I've actually devoted a lot more time to doing that rather than just looking at the bare bones numbers. Cause you know, again, if, if you're a speed figure guy, well, if your horse gets absolutely stopped in the stretch, or if he gets absolutely stopped at the start, I mean, your horse has no shot. Right. So all of a sudden that I, I think I use Brisnet. I think, I think um, mm-hmm. twin spires uses Brisnet. Yeah. Yes. But the Brisnet numbers. So if you got, if you got four horses coming out of the same race, one had a 90, one had a 80, one had a 70 and the horse that had a 60, got totally stopped or stumbled at the start, the 60 is totally irrelevant, right? Yeah. But what if he ran a 75 or 80? All of a sudden, it's a totally different horse in a totally different race. So that's uh, watching replays has helped me a ton. And this is actually, uh, this play that I make here is a total replay play is is really is really kind of what I'm going with. Watching tape, to me, it, it's, um, it's not only, I think, an enlightening exercise, but it's my favorite part of the handicapping process yeah. to try yeah. to find little nuance pieces that could perhaps indicate something either can be better or worse than it was the time prior. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it sounds like you have a bit of a trip play in here or a, a tape yeah. play anyway. Um, where yeah. are you leaning here in the seventh race of Tampa? Uh, the one Agrippino is okay. the horse I'm leaning with. So if you go back and watch um, the replay, the uh, right as he's coming into the stretch with the jockey wanted the rail, and the horse in front of him, he didn't get it. So essentially, he kind of got stopped there. And then he had to, he had to tip out. He must have been in the four or five path trying to run these horses down. And I think he made a good run, you know, into the lane. Um, here's a here's a question. Have you watched that replay or no? I've not, no. Okay. So anyways, uh, the jockey's just yanking on the, trying to get him to, the, I think the horse wanted to veer in. So, I mean, it, if, if he's really pulling on that horse's head, don't you think he's taking some momentum away from him? I mean, he's oh, really sure. trying to really trying to get him to to get outside the horses. I mean, he wanted to just run right up on the back of the other horses, um, which could be a bad sign. But, you know, if, if, if he got stopped trying to trying to make his move up the rail, then he had to tip out wide and he was fighting the jockey the whole stretch. That's why I landed on him. I think a lot of these horses, the numbers are very, very similar. Um but in all honesty, there's probably five or six horses that can win here. Um, I, I, I like to go back and just kind of think of like, okay, how can this horse beat me and why would he? And I can make a, I can make a pretty fair case for a lot of them. And, and honestly, I think that's a way, uh, and I don't want to misquote him, but if you go through and read Stephen Christ's book, 
uh, exotic betting or, or betting exotics. I have it somewhere. I don't remember the exact title of it, but yeah. you get the gist. Basically, nope. he he terms and, and, and phrases the, the multi-race sequences as who who can knock me out? Yeah, and, and and I don't let an obvious horse knock you out of a sequence like that. Mm-hmm. Now again, easier said than done, depending on your budget. If you have a relatively tight budget, you yeah. can't use all of them because you're not mm-hmm. going to end up being able to afford it. But if you have the opportunity or the ability to go through and look at and say, look, this horse can beat me, this horse can beat me, this one can't, yeah. and Really, that to me, that's the key to any of those multi-race sequences. First things first, find the horses that can, absolutely can't win, in your opinion. Mm-hmm. Draw lines yeah. for them, and then really do the sort of deeper dive and say, you know what, this one, uh, I could see it. Let's keep them over in this pile right now. Yeah. If we have to make more adjustments, we will. But it's basically, don't get beat by somebody who seems logical. And I am as guilty as anyone of allowing that to happen because I try to get too cute sometimes and I find, mm. and I'll find the 10 to one shot that wins, but yeah. I'll lose the next leg to the three to one shot that I didn't really like. Yeah. And you look right. back on it after the pick four, pick five is done and say, well, that was stupid. Would have cost yeah. you an extra $7 and instead <laughs> right. now you have nothing. So um, yeah. it's, it's always a, it's an endless game of learning to your point but, earlier. But, but, it, but it's also like, if that three to one in the next leg doesn't win, you're like, Oh, had that all day. I was all over that one. Right. Exactly. You know, it, so it's, it's the thing I think that keeps all of us. It, it's, it, it really is when I, when I bring it up with folks who are new to the game from an intellectual standpoint, not sitting here trying to say that I, I look, I am far from a brain, but there is something to the idea of flexing that muscle of saying, yeah, you, know what? you can, and the beautiful thing is, once race seven at Tampa's over, you turn the page over to race eight, and they're going six and a yeah. half on the main track. Yeah. All right, well, let me see how this starter allowance yeah. is going to play out. Yeah. It, and yeah. you get that basically every day. And mm-hmm. it's it's just, it really is. It's it's a fantastic game. It's a fascinating game. And um, it, it's a great gambling opportunity as well. It's one yeah. of the few instances where you can find proper value, and you don't have to feel like you're putting together a 10-team parlay to make something work. Right. Um, right. So the one Agrippino is going to be CJ's yeah. selection for the Friday feature, race number seven yep. at Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, any other horses, real quick, in this race that you were mildly intrigued with, or is it just oh, the one? 48 straight, came home. I mean, he came home really fast mm-hmm. against a much weaker field, and the pace in front of him absolutely melted down. Okay. But you and I had a little conversation beforehand of, uh, talking about like kind of like cl- the Clarier situation of like, okay, is he going to get a pace meltdown again? And is he going to be able to run? Cause I think he's coming out of like maiden 16s. I think 16. let me yep. maiden 16th. So he's coming out of maiden 16s. He's jumping up. This is his first time against winners. Yep. You know, he's, he's not, I mean, he came home really fast. I think I marked it at like 23, eight or something like that, which is really good for this. 23, field. 42. Yeah. R- like really fast. Yeah, for the, um, so for, if he, this, for this level, that that is a, yeah. that's a legitimate come home. Yeah. Game. So if he runs back to that, yeah, I think he can easily blow this field away. Um, True Grace could be your speed. I was really disappointed with watching the replay that she didn't put that field away. Um, I think she had a, a pretty soft lead um, for what from what I could see, and I was, I was you know again if she buried that field or at least ran on better. I mean, she didn't run at all after after having a, a pretty soft lead mm-hmm. um and then mr who mr who um barely lost to agrippino um in the last and i think when you got horses that close it's again gonna be a matter of 
something little, but you know, when it really came down to it, I went with the horse that had trouble. I think Mr. Who had a lot better run than Agrippino did, but you know, in, in, in saying that you're, you know, you're as with anything, it could be Mr. Who, it could, it could be one of the other horses in that race. I don't know, but I like it though. Agrippino looks like a horse who down on the inside has the ability to come from slightly off if it can also be forwardly placed from that inside yeah. draw. Um, the little elbow coming out of the shoot at Tampa Bay Downs always adds intrigue to things where, you know, you got to work out some sort of a trip. I'd rather be yeah. inside than out. But yeah, uh, I, so I, I think the number one Agrippino makes plenty of sense in the Friday feature. Race number seven, Tampa Bay Downs. If you want to be in CJ's position next Monday, you need to leave your selection for this race beneath the video player on YouTube. If you're correct, I'll contact you. Hopefully in a shorter amount of time than it took me to contact CJ this past weekend. My my nieces and nephew were in town, so it was a little bit chaotic this weekend. Oh, I'm trying to watch the Louisiana it. Derby and my little buddy oh, yeah. standing there with his arms crossed looking up. Oh, yeah. I, I, one second. Yeah. One second. Yeah. Right yeah. Right yeah. So, yeah. Uh, CJ, thank you so much for the time here this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Good luck this week, and we'll chat Thanks, again man. soon. Very good. Have a good one. You too. Thanks to CJ for help with this week's Friday feature. Again, if you want to be in CJ's position whenever the next Friday feature is, uh, leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. If you're correct, I will contact you, and we will set up a time to record. This is going to wrap up episode 58 of the pod. However, you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. However you listen, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you're over on YouTube, search bar, Matt Burner, your show, you get this episode along with the 57 prior. Next week, log jam many 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 races to go over specifically though uh the florida derby the uae derby as well as the jeff ruby stakes so you get a little bit of everything mixed in there for next week's recaps uh, and if you're curious about my thoughts going into the races head on over to nbcsports.com edge i will have some previews up later on this week uh without further ado again thank you all for listening thank you all for your continued support this has been episode 58 of the matt bernier show best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play.